Welcome to EnviroMinded, the podcast where we have conversations with people who are making better happen in their communities, industries, and our world. My name is Adam Niederbroom. For the next two episodes, we'll be focusing on diversity and corporate advocacy in Texas. In late July, we invited six influential leaders for a podcast recording held at our EnviroMedia headquarters in Austin, Texas. This episode of EnviroMinded, episode two, will contain the first half of that panel and we'll post the conclusion of the panel in episode three. Our panel featured a broad spectrum of guests, including Hugh Forrest, the director of programming for South by Southwest, Eric Day, VP and GM of small business for North America at Dell, Chris Plonsky, director of women's athletics at University of Texas in Austin, Melly Price, a very successful female entrepreneur and co-founder of the startup incubator Capital Factory. Chris Wallace, president of the Texas Association of Business. And Edgar Girbellini, president and CEO of Austin Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. The theme, is Texas still good for business, is a question getting national attention with the so-called bathroom bills being debated and the already passed sanctuary cities ban in the Texas legislature. But we'll focus on much more than Texas, including is diversity just a buzzword? And how can CEOs and small businesses have a positive impact on our divisive national debate? The panel was moderated by Greg Barr of the Austin Business Journal. I'll chime in with reminders of who's speaking, but for now, let's hand it off to Greg and his first question directed at Hugh Forrest, one of the leaders of South by Southwest. As you know, South by Southwest is one of the main economic drivers in our city. Have you heard any impact, potential impact yet already on, on what this could do to affect next year's festival? We don't start selling badges till next week, so uh, we won't know, we won't have any real solid evidence if, if it cuts into badge sales. Uh, what we do know is that, um, or what I, what I think is that one of the, uh, the uh, challenges of our growth, which we've been very fortunate to experience, is that um, a lot of people will use South by Southwest as, a, as a, uh, something to grandstand against. And I think that um, if something like this passes, uh, which let's hope it doesn't, we'll, we'll see a lot of people who will just out of principle uh, not come to Texas in March. Now we have seen, and Chris, maybe is a better person to talk about this, but mm -hmm. um, even with the adoption bill that has passed, yes. uh, we have uh, had already people say they, well, we know that California can't spend money in Texas, and that's already impacted us in terms of some of the speakers we're trying to get for uh, next spring. So yes, we, we've seen that impact already. Okay. Well then, yeah, can you follow, uh, Chris, can you just follow up with that? Um, you know, we know, we heard about what happened with California and I'm wondering if you're seeing it at any other level in terms of at the university in terms of has it even gotten to a level where you're hearing this from people being recruited to come to athletics or just students enrolling in general are they asking these questions this is Chris Plonsky the director of women's athletics at the University of Texas she'll be referring to a ban from the California Attorney General on California state-funded travel to Texas. Well, there's no doubt that our great young man who addressed uh, you uh, a while back, I think he expressed exactly what students and many uh, faculty staff uh, feel. You know, we, we embrace diversity and inclusion at the University of Texas. It's what built this great brand that we know as UT. 
um, and there's concern and there has been. And from a business perspective, you know, Mac Brown, our venerable uh, football coach, um, used to say that athletics is in the uh, entertainment business on the weekends or when we stage an event and we're in the education business the rest of the time. And so the way it impacts something like the matrix of collegiate athletics, you know, we're in a conference and we receive uh, events to stage from our conference, the Big 12. So the other nine members, we're gonna play them, twice in basketball, twice in volleyball, once around in football. But the non-league portion of the schedule is elective. So for example, if we're waiting today on the 18 league games for Shaka and Karen in basketball, we've already scheduled 11 others because you have to play so many. And what we're beginning to hear from, uh, especially California-based institutions, but some others, is that um, they're, they're sort of waiting and hovering because if a contract isn't signed prior to a certain point, and then, and, uh, then they will be precluded potentially from participating. Uh, we've had a lot of questions. For example, who are we playing in the second game of the season in football? San Jose State. We had an ocean of inquiries. Is that game in jeopardy? Well, a contract was signed, and I think the state has said if you have a signed legal document, we're not going to pull it. But we schedule nimbly for the 20 sports we have, so it okay. could have an impact. Okay. So let's, uh, Eric, uh, yeah. with Dell, and you know, Dell is uh, the second largest private employer in Central Texas alone, not mentioning all the other thousands of employees in other areas. But have you, um, I'm wondering about inclusiveness uh, and diversity uh, in terms of with the LGBT community. Is that something that you hear from people that you are recruiting? Is it something that you hear, and are they even talking to you at this stage about Texas as possible? discrimination issues? Yeah, so so I'll talk about it in the, the short term and the long term. The first thing is I think everybody in the room probably understands is that Dell hasn't always been seen as the most diverse company um, out there. And it's taken us over a decade to get to where we are today, where we're getting 100% equality index from HRC. Um, we're actually finally getting to known as a really diverse company. And we've worked really hard on that. So in the short term, what Michael and the team is really worried about is bills like this take that away. Um, and what you heard earlier in the room from the, the, the previous president of the University of Texas is that um, people in the millennial generation and below um, are going to go look for companies and uh, that are not only inclusive but live in states that are inclusive. We're losing him. He's going to Chicago. Why wouldn't we have been able to recruit him to come work for a company like Dell? I mean, he was at the University of Texas. Chicago is known to be a very diverse, a very eclectic, one of the most bluest cities that there is in the nation. That was probably within his um, in his mindset of where he picked to go to work for. So what Dell is experiencing now is that, especially at entry-level um, positions, what which I um, in my organization actually hire for, I'm already competing on salary alone. Um, salary is getting incredibly, incredibly hard to compete with because these new startups are able to get capital and vet, uh, ventures that um, are able to pay uh, millennials very well. So I already have to compete with that. On top of this, yes, they are asking um, kind of what our diversity and what our inclusion um, situation is. We're, we're able to 
to talk to them about that now, and it's it's a great win for us. But if Texas starts getting bad recognition for bills like the bathroom bill, I'm not even going to get person in the door to even interview with me, which is what is the long-term situation that we're going to have to deal with. Okay. Yeah. Well, but what about uh, now? Just go. Actually, we'll just go down to Edgar on this one too, because with in businesses, you know, within the LGBT community here, which I'm sure you know, you're hearing a lot from those businesses directly who are directly affected by bathroom bill and other other potential legislation here is that are, are you is there an organization organizational thing coming within that group now are you trying to get them you know more organized to go out and be present at events or what are you doing with them to help them uh, prepare for what's next in Texas absolutely I think in one of the good things that's occurred because of this bad rhetoric it's become like a lightning rod for a lot of diverse businesses and employers to really say, we need to change this. This is our state. We moved here for many different reasons, for opportunity, for the entrepreneurial you know, spirit that this state has. Why is this happening now? So one of the things that we as a chamber try to do is definitely try to connect people. One of the first things that we've done is that we are one of four different Texas LGBT Chambers of Commerce, so North Texas, Houston, San Antonio, and here in Austin. So we formed a coalition to really, because it's really as a team, as a group of people, that we really become more powerful. So the more people we can bring in into that umbrella to push against this, the better. And, and to talk also on the earlier question, you know, we definitely see that business is being impacted now. We also assist with the tourism mechanism with the city as well. And there's definitely you know, conferences and conventions that are thinking, we really don't know if we really want to do business in Texas. You know, those impacts are happening right now. And, and it's really unfortunate because we have an amazing culture, an amazing group of people that you know, we want to share that experience with everybody. Um. Melly, let me ask you, uh, you know, you're an entrepreneur and you, you hear what's going on in the startup world, but what are, what are entrepreneurs doing and what are, what are you doing in terms of organizing the business community you know, to uh, get a voice in front of the legislature? Melly Price, co-founder of the Austin Startup Incubator Capital Factory. Uh, yeah, first I want to say thanks to Valen and EnviroMedia for hosting and bringing this conversation together. And, for everybody that took time to come out today, um, it seems sort of um, maybe a little uh, oblivious to just say that, but I think this is truly one of the most important times for the business community to gather. Um, on the on the entrepreneurial side, um, people are pissed. You know, the bottom line is these are people's families. And um, I really commend Mayor Adler for calling it what it is, which is discrimination. And there's been a lot of dialogue in the, in the LGBT community, um, the early, early entrepreneurship community, about just the fact that this is, has been made to be an LGBT issue when what it really is is a um, right-wing political social agenda that is funding um, uh, 
putting moderate Republicans in a position of having to vote on social issues that they would rather not vote mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. for fear of being primaried in their next election. And so what we're doing to activate that audience, there's a group of us that, um, and I'd invite anyone in this room to come participate next week. What we're hearing from the political operatives right now is the most, single most important thing the business community can do is show up in the Capitol next week Monday, Wednesday, Friday, take two hours out of your day and come talk to reasonable, moderate Republicans who really prefer not to vote on this stuff. They're simply afraid that if they make the leap, there won't be a net and that at the next election, the uh, Empower Texans PAC will fund their opponents and they will not have jobs. So this is all about fear. And it's about fear on both sides. And I think the more we can bring ourselves together, if if you can't come speak, give your employees time to come speak. So really, we're trying to activate at the grassroots level, you know, thanks to, to Hugh and, you know, and Dell and IBM and big major employers coming out is, a, is really important. And it also inspires the younger generation of entrepreneurs to see that those companies are willing to take a stand. Chris, with, the, with TAB, um, your CEO was front and center at the, uh, on the Capitol. Uh, even with ABJ, we spoke to him to get, you know, talk, talk more to him with an article we published today on what, you know, what TAB wants to accomplish here. Chris Wallace, president what's of Texas the, Association you know, of Business. What's the feeling that you're getting across Texas? A lot of people want to paint this as something that just seems to be Austin versus the world type of a thing. But what are you hearing? across the broader scope, you know, from tech, you know, from West Texas, North Texas, maybe more conservative parts of the state as well. What, what are you hearing? You know, we, uh, as the State Chamber of Commerce, we represent uh, a lot of businesses uh, around the state, uh, large, mid-sized, small, 4,300, 200 local chambers of commerce, uh, and businesses like EnviroMedia, uh, and thank you for hosting us, uh, like the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, in, what we're hearing from our members is go, go, go. Uh, do not let up. Uh, we've lost seven members since we developed the Keep Texas Open for Business Coalition. Uh, and our board overwhelmingly uh, approved this issue as part of our overall legislative package. This is not space that we are normally in. We are the most conservative business organization, uh, general business organization uh, in the country, uh, some say. So uh, this is not space that we normally play in, but it's an important space to play in because it's bad for business, plain and simple. Uh, we experienced in the 85th session, and what we are experiencing in the special session is one of the most anti-business sessions we've had in Texas in numerous, number, number of years. This issue, discrimination, well said, uh, anti-Hispanic, anti-law enforcement, anti-intimate domain, anti-economic development incentives, anti-business when it comes to the Public Information Act and what could have jeopardized businesses in doing contracts with um, uh, government entities. The list goes on and on and on. So uh, we say enough is enough. Uh, and we are encouraging businesses, as said before, to engage, to make their voice heard. We will continue to do that. We've been very successful at it from a very large 
Fortune 500 companies to a very, very small business from East Texas, West Texas, North Texas, all the way throughout the entire state. Our businesses continue to tell us that we must engage privately, publicly, on their own, as well as as part of our coalition. So this is one of our top issues. We have five full-time lobbyists dedicated to this issue at the state capitol as we speak. Thank you. Okay. Um, we can't crystal ball exactly what's going to happen uh, to this bill and a couple of the other ones. We have, there have been some that have passed that we know about already. But regardless of whether things pass or don't pass, I think a big important thing for us to talk about here is sort of what's, what, what is next either way in terms of getting a course of action for the business community here to inspire you know, a less divisive dialogue on all of these subjects. Um, I'm wondering, you know, go to Eric, what, what do you think about, you know, what, what can we do going forward from here, I, no matter what happens? Eric Day, a VP and general manager at Dell. I have to give some credit to the TAB as well because I think what, this isn't a, what they've brought to life is that this isn't a Democrat or Republican issue. Right, this is a business issue, and um, it, it almost doesn't matter where you stand on the political system. It's about what is best for not only our economy here in Texas, but what ultimate signal does this send to the rest of the country? Um, the, 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 the team earlier asked me on video to say kind of what advice would you give to the rest of the country about what's happening in North Carolina and what's happening now in Texas. And what I said to them is I'm like, don't be another Texas, right? Um, our job um, as Adele or as a University of Texas is to teach our executive teams to be able to say what is right so that the rest of the business community across this country can be having proactive conversations with legislators, with governors, with presidents, with whoever it might be to ensure that this isn't a virus that goes across our um, our country. Um, and so what we, our responsibility is as businesses and what our responsibility is as executives is to show up at the Capitol, is to train our employees to vote locally, um, is to make sure that we give our executive voices because these topics have always been something that executives do not like to talk about because they're uncomfortable. Our jobs is to make those conversations more comfortable. Um, never in my life, in my 18 year career at, at Dell, would I ever thought I would actually see Michael Dell send out a tweet that says this is absolutely not okay for business. Um, and, um, you know, and, 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 and Michael is somebody that I really respect. And my guess, I've never had a political conversation with him, but he's, he's quite conservative. He owns a billion-ish dollar business, as you guys all know. Um, uh, and, and, and he's given me an amazing platform um, to learn about business, to be a better business person, um, and, and to, to, to be a gay executive in corporate America and to give life to other um, gay people in the world that want to be me one day. Uh, and, and that is a perf an amazing platform that we need to not only teach people in Texas about, but also teach people in the rest of the United States about. Okay, well, I'd like to just move right over to Chris. I'm, you know, we're going to talk about you know, two very large employers here. <laughs> UT and Dell, but so this is what I this is what, where this I wanted to steer this a little bit here is what 
our businesses doing, and we'll call UT a business here, what are businesses doing you know, at ground level to ensure that LGBTQ employees are being accepted into the workforce? It's saying that we embrace diversity is a, you know, a nice thing to say. But what about, you know, what about when, you know, let's say you have a, a work pod of nine people and then a transgender person is gonna join that group and be the 10th employee in that group. What are you, you know, are there programs that employers are putting in place for the employees to learn about how, you know, accepting, accepting them and learning, you know, what's gonna happen at ground level? You know, especially, I'll, I'll just talk to you about the Division of Athletics, which again is, we take care of 500 of other people's children. I mean, 250 men, 250 women who play sports. But in our department, which is 400 employees strong, we've had um, the most robust uh, programming. I mean, very real. Um, and, and it's volunteer training, but it is amazing how many people have interest in this subject matter. Because if you think about the University of Texas, our clients, our customers, are those 52,000 students. I mean, every professor, every dean, every VP, every staff member like me has a job because of them. Our employee base over there is 24,000. And we cannot be non-reflective of what these young people, and you said it right, they are being recruited everywhere. We're trying to get the best and brightest, so when they decide to come to the University of Texas, these young people have an expectation of the culture and the atmosphere. They, in fact, they don't expect it, they demand it. And so the workplace has to reflect the realism that you've heard from everybody on this panel, and we can't deviate. So I would tell you that it's not only active, it's present, it's cultural, and we are helping each other. And there are people that are on this end of the spectrum, and you ooch them along, and then there are others who just come in and it's, it's so real, and there's nothing like being with an 18-year-old freshman or a 17-year-old freshman where they, if anybody's on this end of the spectrum, they kind of wonder where have you been and what are you doing? And they are, 20 years ago, I, again, being a female over women athletes, I mean, many of you know the way women athletes felt if they were LBGTQ. They hit a little bit. Not men or women don't hide today. These young people are bold and confident and they love who they are. You just saw the expression of it. And I, I'm glad I live long enough in an athletics environment where from the NCAA down, that is, uh, that's embraced, not just embraced, but it's encouraged and, and we live it. And I'm glad I live long enough in athletics to see it. Okay. What about then, um, Hugh? Uh, you know, at South by as an organization, um, is there, you know, a specific uh, program in place or any anything you know where this where diversity is discussed or anything that's been implemented in that specific regard? Excuse me. As an organization, uh, you know, we still have a long way to go in terms of increasing diversity, and in, uh, as as do most organizations, but we probably have uh, farther to go than most. I certainly think that uh, in terms of what we do in March, uh, we have been very committed to diversity. Um, you know, I will, we saw Mayor, Mayor Adler talk, um, and uh, he's very inspiring on this issue. I'll, I'll, I'll remix the words of former Mayor Kirk Watson, who says, uh, keep Austin weird means, really means keep Austin creative. 
and you can't keep Austin creative if you don't have diversity here. I mean, we celebrate diversity in Austin. We celebrate diversity at South by Southwest. Uh, one of the things that, that a little bit of different framework on the discussion, uh, I'm always telling attendees, registrants, you know, <clears throat> go to panels and sessions that you don't know anything about. That's where you're gonna learn the most. Don't go to things that you know about. Go to things that you don't know about. And again, that creates that diversity that opens your mind, forces you to learn. Maybe you agree with the panel, maybe you don't. But again, that diversity stuff is very, very important. You know, Austin's a, a startup town and a lot of companies with, you know, one person working out of their bedroom for now until they, <laughs> until they uh, you know, get two people to work out of the living room. Um, are you, you know, I'm trying to figure out now if there's any way that those people can get resources, do you think, you know, within the city that to help them with these kinds of hiring issues and how to include, you know, how to get more diversity and think, think that way when many of them have heads down and they're just trying to, you know, get to next week. Melly Price. First, I love when companies go from one to two because it means they're doubling the size of their company. <laughs> Especially if they're buying dough. And when they do it month over month, it's insane. They're like 10 by the end of the year. Um, so I would actually, um, I'm having a little bit of a reaction over here about the conversation being around diversity. I think diversity has really become almost a, in the same way entrepreneurship has, it's become sort of a commodified word. Uh -huh. The real thing that we're after is um, not diversity, it's maybe inclusion, but it's about breeding an authentic sense of respect and appreciation for right. different opinions. And so when you, that's easy to do um, at the early stage level. Uh, quite, quite frankly, a lot of the creative ecosystem doesn't have an issue with it. And I think one of the things we, we have to talk about is um, the up and coming generation doesn't see the lines that a lot of us see. Right. And so they don't need diversity training, right? We're the ones that need unconscious bias training. <laughs> where, you know, and, and I'll put myself in that bucket. You know, I'm, uh, I've been out since I was 15 years old, which was about 10 years ago. So, <laughs> um, uh, but you know, I've, I've, I've been out for a really long time uh, and I've been very active in the LGBT community and I have struggled with understanding tea and and there's this real political you know embarrassment over the fact that people they feel shame when they when they feel like they're supposed to know something and they don't right i'm a lesbian i am not transgender i don't understand the issues and the emotions and the complications that come with that and it has taken me actively stepping outside of my comfort zone and being blessed with some very patient people in my life who have helped um, educate me to have conversations. So the, to me, that all this boils down to is we are humans and we are most impacted when we form a relationship with another human. So I don't need diversity training. I don't need, I probably need to check the box on some inclusion things um, because we have to force ourselves to that. But what I need is to find a person with a different perspective and connect to them and seek to understand them. And I think programmatically, as we're putting these things together, you know, office hours where, like, I love, I've always loved that South by Southwest says, go see things, you know, every single panel has a diverse perspective on it. And so how can we create those environments within our companies where um, people who 
naturally won't cross lines to go meet those people, create artificial opportunities for them to share lunch or, you know, have some kind of companioning program. That's where we'll affect change right. is when it's people to people. Yeah. That was Melly Price wrapping up part one of what will be a two-part episode on diversity and corporate advocacy in Texas and throughout the nation. Look out for part two next week. My name is Adam Niederprum. This has been Enviro-Minded. You can find more episodes of our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And you can check out more about our agency at enviromedia.com. And of course, if you happen to be in Austin, come by and see us. <laughs>